Data science is a critical skill for the security field. Today, we will hear from Leif Jackson and Saul Costa, who will talk about data science. If this intrigues you and you want to build your skills in Python, SQL, or Ruby to automate your defenses, come to our site and sign up for Insider Pro using the discount code PODCAST. In this episode of the Cyberry Podcast, we sit down with Saul Costa, the founder and CEO of Nextech. Speaking with Leif Jackson, the VP of Content and Community for Cyberry, Saul talks about what Nextech is up to and which programming language he thinks you should learn first. Hi, everybody. Uh, Leif Jackson here, uh, head of content and community here with Saul Costa. Welcome, Saul. Thank you for having me. Uh, CEO of Nextech. Super excited to have you here today. Uh, just here to learn a little bit about you and then also talk a little data science, right? And uh, development, right? Yeah. Um, so uh, of super interest to a lot of people on our platform. So really excited to, to kind of chat with you today about that. For sure, yeah. So, uh, so as you said, I'm Saul Costa. Um, Next Tech is a startup that I founded about five years ago, right after I'd graduated from college. And uh, essentially, what Next Tech does is we try to make it really easy for people to get hands-on experience with uh, various tech skills. So, we focus on skills like data science and machine learning, computer programming, web development, things like that. And the way we do it is uh, we provide them with access to these live coding environments hmm. that they can then use directly from the browser. So they don't need to download anything. They don't need to do any setup themselves. And it allows them to uh, focus on what they're learning versus having to wrangle the tools that they're that they're using. Absolutely. Huge growth area in our market, right? Yeah. Huge growth area in security. Um, what are some kind of applicable use cases that you could see in security? Um, I think security is really interesting because of the uh, the the amount of interactivity that you see in that field. So yeah. when I was in college and we were doing, um, I was working through my my cybersecurity degree. What we did pretty much in every class was, all right, let's sit down, let's set up a cyber range, let's work through this and do a you know capture the flag, red blue type of exercise. So sure. because security is so much around not just the theory, but also the let's sit down and, and fix the issue or identify the issue, I think that interactivity in that space makes uh, makes a lot of sense. Um, one thing that I'm really excited about and this is something that we're gonna be working with Cyberry on is kind of the merger between uh, cybersecurity and data science and programming and starting to focus on these kind of new ways to look at security using these existing uh, these existing approaches like data science. Absolutely, yeah. I think that's something that we saw. Um, Eddie Amoroso did a course on our site on uh, basically 50 CISO security controls, and he built a, a graphical market of every security control in the market, right, across like network controls, governance, uh, you know, enterprise, you, can, you name it, right? Mm-hmm. Two areas where the growth market is happening, right? Yep. Data science and cloud, actually, are, are the, kind of the big two, right? Um, and I think it's, it's super changing the game, right, of, of how we analyze log files, how we analyze uh, vulnerabilities, those kinds of things. Um, so I think that um, the, the, the content that you're going to be delivering on the platform is really going to take them to the next step. Right. Not For to sure. use a pun with your, with your company. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we, we run into a lot of cases where we do that. Like, what are we working on next? Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, we did it again. <laughs> yeah. Um, so 
I mean, just backing up a bit, like, so what got you originally interested in, in kind of programming and data science? Yeah, for sure. So, um, so I'm uh, really proud to be a lifelong programmer. Um, I wrote my first program when I was about seven. Yeah. And uh, it was in QBasic, which is really interesting for people that, um, that are, you know, use QBasic and probably Windows 95 at that point. Um, you used to be able to launch QBasic very easily from your start menu in Windows. Mm-hmm. It was like one click, basically, and you have a programming environment set up and you can start learning. Right. And fast forward like 10 years from there to when I started to formulate some opinions that eventually led to me founding Next Tech, it was much harder to get to a point where you could start writing code. So we'd actually regressed from that state where me as seven years old could sit down and learn QBasic. And then, you know, now students 10 years later actually having to do all this really complex setup. Right. Um, but yeah, so I started with that, um, moved on to uh, C++ and um, did, started in college doing uh, Ruby on Rails application development. And um, the most of the work that I've done on the data science side has actually been around um, what's called data engineering. So rather than um, building out data science models, it's figuring out how do we take billions and billions of data points and process them at scale. So what are the types of aggregations you need to do, um, not only to be able to store that type of data, but to be able to extract it fast enough for it to be relevant to, uh, to the users of your product. Interesting. Yeah. And what would you call that? Would you call it machine learning, deep learning, AI? Um, One of these marketing terms for statistical analysis and yeah it, it was it was more more on the data side more like data analytics data yeah. engineering mm-hmm. um yeah we the company that i worked for did uh machine learning to it was a really interesting company actually mm-hmm. uh called mixed rank and what they would do is look at what different websites had been created with the technologies that were used with the website or um, same thing for mobile applications. Gotcha. So they would do uh, predictive analysis on kind of the footprints that um, these application SDKs would leave inside of an app. And then they would use that to predict whether or not that was actually um, that was actually a, an SDK that was being used. And then they'd actually take similar approaches and apply that to matching people back with their companies. Gotcha. That's super interesting. Um, so tell me a little bit about the company. How has it evolved since you first started it? Um, who's using the platform? Those kinds of things. Yeah, for sure. So like I said, we started about uh, five years ago. Um, at that time, really what we were building was a learning management system that was built for instructors and students. And so instructors could log into the product and they could uh, build out an assignment and uh, specify a series of test cases that they wanted to run against the the code that their, student up, their students uploaded. And what we found very quickly was that um, we really wanted to work with companies that worked with instructors. Okay. Um, and the reason for that is we, from a business perspective, could close one deal and then suddenly we have sure. hundreds of thousands of students using the product. Um, so it became much easier for us to scale as a startup team where we're kind of we're managing a relationship that's uh, with that vendor for the instructors as opposed to working with each instructor individually. So it scaled much better for us. Um from there, uh, we we focused uh, mostly on that, what we at that point started to call our platform. Mm. Um, so the ability to not only have the lab environment for the students, but we really built out this 
uh, content creation tool that allows for programming and data science and other tech field content to be created very, very quickly. Um, And so what that has now evolved into kind of the third phase of the the company is... um, this content library that we've built out ourselves. And so we now have the ability to, we have about 400 hours of content on our website that you can sign up and take. So not only are we partnering with these content companies and these these companies that are selling to instructors and students, but we're also building out our own content library. Great. So tell me what's in the content library and you know, kind of how it's building. Yeah, for sure. So Uh, The three areas that stand out the most are definitely um, data science, machine learning, and introductory programming. Mm -hmm. Um, The reason for that is we partnered with a company called Pact Publishers out of the UK. And uh, what we have with them is really special where they produce this really great um, library of eBooks for various tech skills. They focus wholly on tech skills as a publisher. And our partnership allows us to essentially access that catalog and build course material around it. And so what we did when we started this um, just over a year ago now, we just tried everything. And we built out content for you know everything from Bitcoin to data science to machine learning to Rust programming and all of that. And we marketed it all equally. And we found that the data science machine learning content really hit a hit a note with um, the community and that's what we saw the most traction for um, the introductory programming that what we find is also gets a lot of usage and I think that's because you know at that point there are so many people that are starting off programming and there are a lot of opinions out there around which programming language should, you should start with so um, we kind of just try to offer one for each language gotcha so which one should you start with um well <laughs> I would encourage you to start with C++. Um, it's def- if you want to learn programming, it's definitely going to take uh, more time and more Red Bull than sure. starting with Python, for example. Um, but it gives you a, a coverage of the the subject area, especially like moving beyond just the application, but but into the theory of it that you're really not going to get if you use a higher level language like Python. Um, it's what I used for the majority of the time when I was really getting ramped up with programming and mm-hmm. looking back and and taking into account the languages that um, that you that I could have used, I'm definitely really glad that I um, I learned C plus plus and a lot of these other programming languages like Python and Ruby and so forth. They're actually built on top of C, which is a very very similar language to C plus plus. So you get that foundational um, language and then you can build up from there. Gotcha. No, that makes sense. Um, so what are kind of the major trends that you see from like data science learners recently? Um, yeah, um, it's really exciting, I think, because, uh, the, the, the main trend there is that everyone's doing it now. Right. So you're seeing data science, you know, previously you were seeing data science with applications, like I was talking about with MixRank, where it's kind of much more technical and the, the programmers on the team are working on the, the data science and the machine learning, um, applications. Uh, what you're seeing now are like finance teams and customer support teams and, uh, analysts that have never written a line of code in their life before, but now they are presented with this opportunity to take whatever process it is that they're currently doing and do it much better if they get the understanding of introductory programming and of data science. And the great thing about data science is that 
it's something that you can jump into very quickly and uh, immediately start to be productive with drawing insights from from your data set. Um, and I think in the, the day and age that we're living in now with the volume of data that's being produced, it's kind of like you're either in or you're out and you, you need to uh, kind of get on the bandwagon to stay relevant and to keep up with the pace of the data that's being produced. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what, 60% of the world's skills uh, in the next five years haven't been invented yet, right? Yeah. Like, so that's something that we say all the time. And the reason that we have the fastest growing catalog in the space, right? Because we want to keep up with the tech skills and the, and the security skills that are uh, necessary for the tech teams out there. Um, who performs best on, on, on next tech? Like, from a either a learner or a creator perspective, like how can I determine like this is this is something for me? Um, one of the things we focused on a lot recently in terms of the student experience are people who are taking our more interactive courses. Mm. So we've mm. we uh, actually just uh, last week ran a whole bunch of analytics on our usage, and what we found is that the courses that we have that have any layer of interactivity. And, and by that, I mean, their actual tasks for the student to complete and these like live challenges sure. for them tend to, they, they make up about 30% of our catalog and 80% of our usage. And so what we've started to do a lot more is invest into producing those types of courses. Um, and I think that, that, you know, between a student and a creator, we try to develop an experience that's good for both of them. And it's actually funny when you look at our product because the interface for a student and the interface for a creator are very similar to each other. So between the two, you, you almost can't tell which is which. Um, and so the, the content creator is able to come in there and very, very quickly produce content and then see what it's going to look like for the, for the student's experience and then push that out for them. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and you talked a little bit about how you select content based on work roles uh, and the skills related to that work role. Um, can you talk about what those work roles are that you're looking for and then what content that you're you're adding based on those work roles? Yeah, for sure. So um, the content that we're, fo or the, rather the skill paths, which is what we call skill them, paths, yeah, yeah, that we're focusing on right now um, are for uh, Python data scientists, mm. Python machine learning practitioners, um, and then Python uh, web developers. And so what we tend to do when we're picking content for that is we look at, well, number one, we have a bit of experience ourselves to build on, which is really great. And we're also then um, looking at what are the industry standards are. So sure. what's really cool is there are companies out there like uh, Stack Overflow, for example, or right. HackerRank that have gone through and they've surveyed people based on their roles and said, what skills are you learning? What what don't you know that you wish you you did? Um, for the the data science and machine learning topics that we or uh, skill paths that we have, those are very heavily focused on looking at data from multiple levels. So there might be something that's like data science that's going to use some algorithms. Um, there might be something that's more like developing an application using data science algorithms. Um, we're going to throw a lot of SQL in there as well. And then uh, kind of the, when we look at the programming side of it, it's just what programming skills do you need to be productive in those uh, those subject areas? And the nice thing about data science, like I was saying, is that you don't need 
communication with it, like you would for, say, a, a Python web developer. Um, you really just need to know kind of the basics of the language. And then there are tons of uh, libraries that can help you get started with um, processing your data and drawing insights from it. So those tend to be a little bit less heavy on programming than some of the other skill paths. Mm, interesting. So if I were, uh, let's say I'm a SOC analyst, right? Like, so I'm a, I'm a blue team, right? Like, what and I, I don't know any data science, right? But I understand security super well. What would you recommend to me? Um, get as much data as you can. Um, the, uh, the the watching the data scientists in our team work through some of our data sets and also work on uh, she does some of the course development too has been really interesting because. What I've seen her do more than anything is spend time understanding the data. Sure. So it's not so much the end application that you're going to build. It's more what data am I bringing to the table and what in this data is relevant to the question that I'm trying to answer and more importantly, what isn't. And most of the time, you know, 70 plus percent of the data you're going to bring to the table is irrelevant. Sure. Um, one of the other big uh, steps in that is data cleaning. So early on, you know, uh, Python programming uh, program expects it in a particular format. So you're going to learn how do I parse this data out? How do I uh, reject invalid records or you know backfill the data with something that's um, that I do have available to me? And so and then as you're working through that, ideally you're you're kind of getting a sense of what are the um, what are the most important uh, attributes of this data set. And once you've hit that point, where you're going to start doing is is actually writing some code and starting to test those various attributes and determining whether or not they um, they bear significance on the the question you're trying to answer. Right. So basic basic regression sometimes, right? Like, yep. I mean, hey, the, the weather might not be correlated with the crime or something like that, right? Yep. So maybe maybe take the temperature out of the data set yep. in order to. It's correlation, not causation, yep, you know? Exactly. Um, so that totally makes sense. I think the uh, the SOC analyst has an advantage when they're coming to the table already, which is that they um, they understand what those metrics are. And so I think, you know, over um, uh, if they're just kind of handing that off to a, a data scientist, then there might be something lost in that translation. So if they can actually come and say, no, this this is what this metric means. This is a really important metric for us to be looking at. Um, that context can be really useful as they they start building that application, mm -hmm. especially if they're analyzing log files and those kinds of things. Like you know, trying to determine uh, where are those outliers. Yep. Right. Like what is actually happening here? What where are our vulnerabilities actually? You know. Um, how about a pen tester on the red team side? Pen tester on the red team side. Um, now you have me thinking back to when I was on the red team. Mm -hmm. um, I think. Uh, I think a lot of that's going to revolve around um, the scans that they're doing. Yeah. Um, one of we actually used a tool some time back that uh, kind of did something similar to that, where it was doing these scans en masse mm -hmm. and then trying to work backwards once it had collected that data to identify what are the the uh, the weakest points in the in the chain. Sure. Yep. And then seeing if you can get in. Yep. Yeah, that's step two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Just send a, a, a an adorable cat photo, and then <laughs> you'd be surprised at how quickly you can get in. Right? Yeah, um, that's normally how it works. Um, wh what are you seeing? Like, uh, kind of is the hardest skill to come by in the market? You mentioned a little bit about um, hacker rank, st Stack Overflow, like uh, as as markets where those skills, um, what they're looking for. But what, where are you seeing? Like, hey, these are 
really difficult skills to find. Yeah, for sure. So I, I've actually written a bit about this on my blog, and um, I think it's not a tech skill for sure. It's, it's uh, a lot of these skills that you pick up along the way being a developer or being a data scientist. And so going back to the data scientist in our team, um, she came in and started working for the company and she didn't have any prior programming experience, but she had a lot of analytics experience. And so watching her progress as she's learned more about programming has been really interesting to follow along with because seeing uh, skills like debugging, for example, where she's learned this is how I read a stack trace. And now that I've identified this error and I've Googled it and Google hasn't been a help, how do I put in these breakpoints into my program and think about it logically to get down to what the root cause is? Um, so I think I think it comes down to using your resources wisely. Um, a lot of people early on in computer programming uh, tend to suffer a lot from imposter syndrome. And, you know, like, like I do, I, everyone else must know this skill and I don't know it. And you know, I'm a bad programmer. And and uh, that's just a bunch of malarkey. Like there's, yeah. you know, and I think it's it's a little bit born out of the way that we um, we test people on their technical skills. We'll kind of say, you know, you have to complete this algorithm and no help. We're going to lock you in a room with a whiteboard. And that's just not really how people learn tech skills or how they operate as a developer. Hmm. And so I think um, like using your resources, using Google, having a really good understanding of um, how to debug a program. And then the, the third one is uh, probably the, the most important is knowing how to read code. And so as you become a better and better programmer, you might learn one particular language. For example, like I learned Python really well. And then when I started working with Go, I kind of already had the, the general grammar of it. Sure. And so I was able to then look through a lot of libraries Go is a really great language, and it's really great because of the um, it has what's called uh, signatures for the the functions. So you always know what you're going to put in. You always know what you're going to get out. However, because of that, the documentation in that overall community can be a little bit lacking. And so what I ended up doing when I learned Go is I just went and read Go code. And um, eventually, you like you like I said, you you start to understand what the grammar of a programming project is. You know, okay, I'm going to look here for this particular import and, and so forth. And um, really just like getting exposed to other people's code, you know, check if you're reading on a, if you're going on a, a GitHub repo to read through it, how many stars does it have? You know, like, are you reading quality code? Um, because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, there are a bunch of different ways you could write a particular program. But if you can see what a experienced developer has already done with something similar, then you might see ways you've never even thought of before that, you know, could be more performant or cleaner or even more secure. Interesting. Yep. Um, and how do you see those, uh, you know, kind of those skills evolving and then uh, changing over the next two, three, maybe four or five years, but we'll go two, three years because who, who knows beyond that. Right. Right. Yeah. I, <laughs> I think, um, I think we've seen an interesting, uh, trend over the last few years where, a lot of people have gone through these coding bootcamp programs, and unfortunately, they focused not as heavily on that as they should have. Um, they focused more on kind of like parrot coding in a sense. Um, and don't get me wrong; like there are some really good coding yeah. bootcamps. Like we work with, we work with them. Um, 
But what ends up happening is the programmers that come out of that tend to be able to replicate code, but not really be able to break outside of those boundaries of, of what they already know. And so talking with other people who are hiring in the technical field, they've expressed similar sentiments that I'm sharing, which is, yeah, yeah, I, I get you can, you know, the programming language, you know, the syntax, do you know how to think like a developer? And some of that comes from going into it with the awareness that it's not all just about the code. And some of it comes from just sitting down and writing code and being stuck and debugging your way through it. And um, yeah, so so I think that the trend you're going to see, back to your question, is uh, hopefully a higher emphasis on those types of skills, producing uh, better developers, not just better programmers. Um, I think you're also starting to see this shift in a different way inside of the higher education space where people are less focused on, like I said, just, you know, can you solve the programming problem, but more around, let's get you hooked up with an internship or let's do your senior capstone as being this big project. And um, my hope is that there's going to be a general mentality shift towards that more and more where you're not just producing people who know how to code, but people who know how to write applications as a developer. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have to know the pain, right? Yeah. Um, I remember, uh, I think one, one time it took me like two days to find a semicolon. <laughs> We've all been there. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's very memorable experience, right? But yep. you kind of need to build that. I, I, you call it grit, right? Yep. Like as you're going through the code and it's not compiling and you don't know why it ain't telling you why, right? Yeah. Like, so it's almost like a kind of creepy intuition after you've been programming for like decades. You, you, the thing that I've found is that I always, uh, start with the, the least intuitive answer, like the thing that, that no way is it going to be this thing. And surprisingly enough, a lot of times that's where the issue is. <laughs> and I kind of sit there like, like almost shaking, like, Oh God, what if I hadn't checked that first? Like this would have been days of looking right. down the wrong path. Um, and yeah, I think, I think you start, especially if it's an application that you've written, you start to get a feel for like, Oh, this bug smells like this particular thing. So, and some of that just comes with time. And, you know, I get asked a lot, how do I become a, a programmer and get a job. And my biggest piece of advice is go build something. Like there are lots of great resources out there. Cyberry has them. NextTech has them. We're building awesome ones together. But at the end of the day, it's sitting down and coming up with any idea, replicating an idea, it doesn't matter, but actually going through the motions and, and building an application for yourself or running some, uh, some, you know, aggregations, doing some, some data science also, like there's plenty of different ways you can approach that. And, um, you know, actually sitting down and, and doing it yourself, like you can't replace that in a classroom or a coding bootcamp program or anywhere else. So, yeah. Well, just stepping back a bit, I think Next Tech actually does a really good job of uh, kind of stepping through um, the the content. So, when I was uh, watching your product, like um, it, it's not like what we experienced with like, hey, the semicolon, you yeah. know. And it won't tell you where it is, right? Like when you're actually using your product, like it does tell you like, oh, you know, this is the spot where this might be missing. Yeah. So it kind of, it spoon feeds a little bit, right? Like, is that, is that fair to say like, yeah, you know, the sure. user, so that way, um, they have, they, they, it's an easier entry point for those that, 
probably probably less than what you and I experienced, right? Um, for for those starting to learn the language, for sure, yeah. So we um, and those are the the courses I mentioned earlier that just get right. like a massive amount of usage for us. And um, what we try to do as we as we build those courses is um, we also layer in project opportunities. Sure. So we'll say, great, you've learned the skills up to this point. Here's an idea for a project and just kind of a blank space for you to get started with it and then actually build something for yourself. Gotcha. And that's, is that where you replicate the pain then in the project? Basically. Yeah. Gotcha. Here, here's the spot to yeah <laughs> knock your head against the wall and just like, you know, figure it out. And, um, and then if you need to, then you can continue on through the course and, and pick up some new skills. So. Awesome. Um, anything else that you have for us today? I think that's pretty much it. Really excited to, uh, to be here. This is, um, yeah, really cool. Um, I'm so excited to work with you and, uh, and, and thanks for coming today. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. Thanks all. Hey, this is Thor. Thanks for listening to the Cyberry podcast and make sure to check back next Wednesday for our newest episode.